0: You're listening to Escape Talk. This is Mr. Bistro. With me, as always, is Screaming Truth. Hello, all. We have Grunge Bob with us today. Howdy, y'all, and our resident proctologist, Hanorama. Gentlemen, how's everyone doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was waiting for more there.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's talk about HeroScape. Uh, at this point. Everyone's had a chance to break into their new toys. We've all played around the jungle set, the big heroes. But right now, the the new uh, big news is the Gen Con promo figure for 2008. Uh, WizKids announced it, and it is, correct me if I got the pronunciation wrong, uh, Agent Skahen. uh, Skahen. Skahen.
1: Agent Skahen.
0: Agent Skahen, who we learned is uh, sort of named after one of our uh, resident scapers, Bungie.
1: Uh, That's correct.
0: So, Truth, you uh, were able to show us a little sneak peek of the picture on the website. Uh, what does everyone think? They used a Nikita, uh, one of the much maligned Nikita models.
1: As usual with most Heroscape news, and especially Heroscape news involving exclusives, opinions are split. The majority seems to be happy with them choosing a Nikita. Th- their speculation about, you know, was that... Was that you know, plan because there's Nikitas out on the shelves, and it was to an extent.
2: Hmm. Yeah, the um, the idea is that if there's a lot of them sitting on the shelves, then players will have an easier time getting a hold of them when they want to make one for themselves at home. Then that's not
1: right. so. And, and Wizards really did a it really only used a few paint hits on this uh, to keep the cost down, and and that makes it easy for those at home to replicate it.
3: So no truth to the rumor that uh, Paul Barkley is in his car right now canvassing every Walmart in the country on his way to Gen Con buying up every uh, Nikita agent on the shelf?
2: It's still just a rumor. Yeah.
3: So, um, yeah, so it's interesting. All only thing we know about the new
0: agent is obviously she's with Vidar being an agent, uh, but we don't have any special abilities or anything like that. But it's already got a, a lot of excitement uh, going, a lot of speculation as to what she might do.
1: Well, we know she has Stealth Dodge, Double Attack... That's right. ...and uh, an ability called Cover Fire, which is the unknown ability at this point.
0: Right. So, that'll be interesting. Stealth Dodge, as we know, is a very effective ability. Um, So, it's it's, uh, quite exciting. uh, It's been a while since Vidar's got a real uh, addition to his forces, aside from a recent ninja. (coughs) Uh, Let's talk about uh, the other new stuff. We've all been playing around with Jungle, uh, the big heroes... Uh, the Elfies. Let's talk about the Elves, actually. The Elves are quite cool. Uh, up to this point, there has been what you could consider to be an Elf army. They've got two different common units, uh, a, a few different heroes, but now there's a whole bunch of new options, a, whole, a ton of new heroes, and it really makes the Elves an interesting army. Um, what do you guys think of the Elves? Just taking a look at them, having played with them now, I'm sure a few times. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I love these guys, They, uh, but they do require a little bit of extra added finesse
0: yeah they're not uh guys you can just sort of throw out there uh without a plan uh they obviously they they all react to each other they require their everyone's in close proximity seems you could uh, if you didn't plan it out they could be a very disastrous force to take with you
2: yeah in a tournament um if you lose one of the key players in this little uh small army then you're just going to go down in flames
1: and you have to keep them grouped so you' you're vulnerable to area of effect attacks they have their weaknesses but but played right played well they also are are obviously very uh, strong very capable yeah I, I think they're a lot of fun I, the theme is the theme is really cool how there's these w- bunch of wizard heroes inside of the elf Army and uh, and the, they all have these unique kind of personalities and they all draw off each other's strengths and and they all work together to form this really cool hero-based uh, you know, team-up. I, I like how
0: artillery-like they are, how they can just go in blasting. I think that's a really cool way to do elves, too. Uh, yeah, if you're a player who likes to take your time and don't mind thinking out each move, they're an incredibly uh, dangerous and effective force to uh, play with.
2: What's really cool about them is sometimes you'll be in the middle of a game and just as your opponent starts to threaten your little wizard enclave you just up and move them to a different part of the board <laughs> just with a with a with a few lucky rolls you can get them all out of harm's way and then there they are again yeah they're still very very mobile mhm yes
0: how about the the new big figures uh, i've been playing with those uh zelrig is really cool he's my favorite dragon sculpt so far uh, Oni is probably my favorite, not because I think he's the best, just because I like the look of him. I like the idea of this Asian-style ogre uh, walking around whacking guys or killing them with his eye. Uh, what do you guys think of the new stuff? What's your favorite,
3: Han? Oh, jeez, my favorite. It's a toss-up between the, uh, oh, help me out with the name here, uh, new Utgar hero, the snake. Oh. Wosaga. Yeah, Wasaga is probably my favorite out of the five. I've just been having big fun and uh, with some lucky die rolls, getting that uh, constrictor crunch and taking out some medium-sized heroes and just killing them off the board. And as much as I love my Omicrons, that's probably the number two. Getting some height, rolling an extra die, and for 65 points is just a good killing figure. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's got a glass jaw, but play him right. Yeah, zetagron
0: has got a nice punch for his bargain price. I like him. And yeah, Wosaga is cool. I just, I love the sculpt. I love those symmetrical coils wrapping around the body. Uh, that one looks really, really cool. Uh, Colby, what's uh, who's your favorite?
1: Sculpt-wise, it's got to be Wosaga. I just love the eyes. I mm-hmm. love the, the, the way the scales, uh, you know, work into each other. And I just love the idea of these these Mara who bioengineer these crazy creatures. Grunge Bob, who's
2: uh, who's your favorite? All right, the Zelrig is my my new favorite dragon. I think his sculpt is good, and I like the way he plays. But my favorite of that pack has got to be the Sujoa. Uh, just a big, mean bug, and that poison ability. Just, I just love that ability. I love rolling that twenty sided die and adding another wound, and doing it again and again, and just zooming across the the board he's so fast that uh, he's a real threat. I think it just scares the crap out of your opponents, so that's that's why I like him.
1: And you got to love those iridescent paint on those wings. It's too cool.
2: It's a very nicely
0: made model and uh, yeah, it's fun. The bugs are new. We haven't had these bugs before. And uh, yeah, he does have a certain uh, he can seem really scary to folks, especially people who haven't gone up against him yet.
1: I like seeing the spiders crawl around the uh around the table too.
0: Right, well, and we've got this new jungle terrain, and as a lot of us opened up these packages and discovered, this stuff's big. It covers a lot of space on your table, and small figures, uh, at least in my games, have been having a field day, because in that jungle, not only do you have the extra defense, it is really easy to hide those guys. Though, as I discovered just the other day, uh, it's also easy to forget about some of your guys too. It definitely is. The cover jungle.
1: The cover works in a very literal sense in that uh-huh. your opponent forgets you have a guy around the corner.
0: Yes, I forgot that I had a couple spiders.
1: You it's... forgot about your own troops? Yeah, I, I had... actually
0: had a couple spiders, and I completely forgot about them until they were way separate from everyone else. They were you sitting had, back, you had a... having a drink, watching the fight.
1: <laughs> you had a couple spiders go AWOL on you?
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Their hearts weren't in it. Grinch Bob, what am going to say? <laughs> Uh, I was going to say that uh, I found a new love for the zombies uh, when mixed with the jungle terrain. Oh. Uh, they, they are just hard to get uh, line of sight to when they're all mixed up in the jungle like that. I was playing the other day and my opponent was like, okay, I'm going to shoot that zombie over there. I said, do you have line of sight? He's like, yeah, I can see his arm. I'm like, uh-uh. Mm-mm. No, you got to see his head. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, oh, man. And then. Then we realize that the zombies just are—they're just some jungle-loving, jungle-loving guys. <laughs> That's actually genius. I hadn't even thought
0: about that with the the defense bonuses and the ability to obscure the heads, because those bushes are easily taller than most figures.
2: So I'm like positioning my zombies so that their heads are like underneath banana leaves and behind <laughs> tree trunks. <laughs> you
1: gotta get the jungle camo on them. Yeah,
2: I gotta milk it for. Her. For as much as I can, yeah. And actually,
0: the the jungle camo comment there—that's not far off. You know, people like to do their own paints. uh, You know, their alternate paint jobs, and no one's cared up to now. But actually, uh, jungle camo paint jobs could really change the game. That—that I can actually see that being forbidden in the future. Well, one big thing that uh, we've been talking about on Heroescapers.com is the big upcoming event. This is. Mecca for Gamers, we have Gen Con coming up in a scant few weeks. I believe uh, all four of us are going to be there. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yes. All four of us will be there, and we'll be recording from the floor.
2: From the floor. I'll be across the street at the Ram.
0: (laughs) Han, I haven't heard from you. You're considered to be Mr. Gen Con, yet you're being silent. What's going on there?
3: It's just Gen Con. It's just Gen Con. No, um <laughs> that's your reason was for ta- living, I- isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. I, w- I was talking the truth offline earlier this afternoon and this is one of those years where one of the things about genkind love going is, you know, this this new game's going to be demoed. this game's for sale, this game's for sale. And I really haven't seen a lot of that this year. I'm I'm, I'm more looking forward to seeing uh, all my virtual buddies again in meet space. Looking forward to the past three years, uh, Truth and I have roomed with the same group of individuals, and it gets crazier and crazier and crazier as far amount of floor space and just the out-of-control extravaganza that's uh, Gen Con for So I'm more looking forward to seeing my friends. But as far as new game stuff, uh, and maybe we can touch on this later, I mean, there's one game I'm looking forward to. I'm hoping they have Battlestar Galactica on sale. I don't think it's going to be. So, yeah, I'm more excited about you know seeing the folks hanging out. But as far as new
1: games... Yeah, it's just one of those years. I don't know. uh, Won't A Touch of Evil be there? The the new game from the people at Flying Frog Games? All I've seen of Board Game Geek
3: has been a couple prototype pictures, some of the cards. I don't know a whole lot. I know about the theme, but I don't know about the mechanics of their new game.
1: For me, I think they just did a beautiful job with the first game, and I'm willing to to put a little trust in them that the second one's going to be cool. Well,
2: that's what's cool about Gen Con is we'll be able to go and check it out. I'm also looking forward to checking out World of Warcraft miniatures, even though it's not due to be released till November.
0: Yeah, those are uh, interesting. It's a slightly larger scale, but they're really beautiful sculpts and uh, really nice paint jobs we've seen so far.
2: It looks like the gameplay is going to be really something really interesting and new.
1: Fantasy Flight doing those?
2: No, that's uh, Upper Deck. And they've
0: got uh, McVeigh Studios doing the uh, arranging, the painting for it. Uh, they help set up the painting and the design of it. And uh, for those of you who have played Old Games Workshop, uh, Mike McVeigh used to do. Uh, used to be in charge of their painting studio, and he is an amazing uh, guy. There's a lot of cool stuff that's come out of their studio. So I'm interesting, uh, interested to see
2: what this partnership will bring about. I think it's. Uh, I think it's got good stuff written all over it.
0: Now, there's another game. Um, well, Han mentioned just now Battlestar Galactica. This is a really cool thing. We talked about it, I believe, a little bit in our last podcast. Um, but this is a great time for that to be coming out. It's right in the dry period. we got to wait, I think, like six months for the final season to continue. So there's a lot of... Uh, I think a lot of anxiousness from the fans' part to get their hands on that. And if we can get it at Gen Con before their supposed October release date, uh, that would be really cool. At least get a chance to play it, I'm hoping.
3: Let's be honest. In Fantasy Flight speak, October translates out to what? March of '09.
0: Well, they've already pushed it back once. I mean, I think it was supposed to be what August before. Then it got dumped to October. So, yeah, they're they're good for at least two more pushbacks.
1: I could see them having some copies flown in instead of shipped across for Gen Con sales?
3: Well, I mean, I'm holding out hope, kind of the great pumpkin. Last year it was Ton Hauser, and they said they were going to have a couple copies for sale. I bet they had two or 300 copies, so everybody that wanted the game was able to get the game. And I'm holding out hope that it'll be the same with Battlestar. Fantasy Flight, they've been very tight-lipped as far as, you know, all we know is, hey, look, it's Battlestar Galactica. It's using the theme. But that's about it. And up until about three weeks ago,
1: there wasn't a whole lot of info out there in the net about this game. Well, we know it's cooperative. We know that it's got a Shadows of Camelot feel and that somebody's a traitor and they don't know it. Uh, but we also know that there's supposed to be raptor miniatures and stuff in the game, so there, there must be some other facet to the game, too. Otherwise, why include miniatures of ships?
3: Oh, sure. No, it's going to be uh, t- ten of the... The, the big characters, you know, Adama, Lee, the President, uh, 32 detailed plastic ships, so I'm assuming Base Stars, Galactica, Raptors, things of that nature.
0: Yeah, and I would be willing to purchase this game alone just for the miniatures, so I'm very excited to see it. And we'll, uh, we can probably expect to see a lot more from other companies. I'm um, very excited to see what Wizards of the Coast has with uh, Dungeons & Dragons. They just released their 4.0 rule books. Uh, if you've been... Looking on the boards, you've seen me rabidly uh, defending it. I'm, I'm very excited about 4.0. We'll talk about it probably in the next podcast, but I'm excited to see so, what new products they've got uh, on the tables there. So
3: Bistro, Bistro that's their new uh, war game miniatures game, correct? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, 4.0 does
0: use miniatures a lot more um, in the sense that they are sort of necessary. However, if you're not big into miniature gaming, um, which I know no one on Heroescapers.com is, <laughs> so I was going to say we're Heroescapers. You should be excited about that. You can just you can use pawns, coins, a variety of other stuff. It's just really useful for uh, keeping track of the combat. But uh, it's fast, it's fun, and it's amazingly balanced. But
1: I like to uh, use a miniature cardboard standee of a drunken Han uh, with a <laughs> helmet on as my as my dwarf Viking.
0: It's actually better to have a disposable Han, because when he gets soiled with beer, he can throw it away and get a new one.
3: <laughs> All right. Okay, for the, the for, for the 103 of you that are signed up out there to go to Gen Con, please take an effort to meet me in person so you can see that... Uh...
1: So you can see just how drunk he is.
3: <laughs> Good night, everybody. Tiff your waitresses. You've been a great crowd.
0: Just remember, he doesn't have a crutch. There's nothing there to support him. So try and just, you know, keep that in mind when you're around him.
1: Um, so D&D reached- 4.0. I've got the books ordered. I'm excited. I've, I've heard a lot of buzz, and I'm I'm excited for Gen Con because I'm sure that they've got some news in the pipes. That that some big news that they're going to release at Gen Con. I mean, I'm not saying that from a wizard standpoint at all because I don't know. But but I'm guessing they got something up their sleeves.
0: Yeah, they just recently put a bunch of new products on their uh, website that'll that's coming up in the future, and I'm just very excited. I've I've had a lot of fun playing fourth edition, been playing since first edition, so I've I'm still still very much in love with it. Uh, so it's gonna be uh, exciting Gen Con, not just because of all the games, uh, but we've got some HeroScape, uh, lots of HeroScape's gonna be going on, in, in terms of tournaments, but also just in the casual play that I know. We'll all be doing off to the side here and there. I'm sure there'll be folks at the Ram playing HeroScape, just like last year.
1: GrungeBob's been spearheading our tournament efforts on the Scapers end as far as interacting with Wizards uh, wizards people on on what we've done in the past and trying to help them set up for this year. GrungeBob, can you give us any insight into what they can expect when they show up to Gen Con?
2: As far as the events at Gen Con, we got a whole bunch of them happening. Um, if anybody's kept up... Uh, A few of them filled all the way up. We still have some that didn't quite get filled, but uh, that just means that if you're at Gen Con and you want to get in on one of these events, just go get yourself some generic tickets and uh, hop on in.
1: That's pretty amazing that that they filled up because they're significantly larger than they've ever been before.
2: Yeah. um, uh, I think that since we do have some overlap of events, it forced players into choosing... You know, one or the other, uh, when maybe in the past they might have just signed up for all of them. This kind of forced players to choose, and then that that consequently limits the amount of people that attending some of the events. But suffice it to say, we're going to have lots of events, plenty of uh, Heroescape for everybody. I just talked to Alan on the phone today. He just finished up with the big Wizards events, well, the, the largest Wizard Magic the Gathering tournament in history. Um they had something like I think he was saying they had eleven hundred players or something like that. Wow. So he's uh he, but he's dedicated full time to HeroScape and Gen Con events at, from here on out. I know it only gives us about five weeks, but you know, at least he's on he, he's on uh full time now on Gen Con. So uh talk to me today. He's trying to uh work out some prizes and um, um, he's working with Wizards of the Coast to come up with prizes that uh, are based on product. Um, so, you know, everybody that wins a prize at Gen Con will be coming home with uh, lots of Hero Escape product. Every event that you sign up for, you're going to get a ska hen. Um This is just like we did it last year. So, if you sign up for three events, then you'll come home with at least three Skahin. Um, because if you go by the Wizards of the Coast booth, if they haven't run out, then you can get yourself a fourth Skahin. So we should be able to uh, y- you know, spread out the Skahin among our uh, people here at Yeah, that's Scapers. what we
1: did last year. All right. those who went to Gen Con kind of spread the love, and we did a giveaway, and, and we fully expect that you'll see that this year. That's not to say that everybody that's on Heroescapers.com is going to get one, uh, but, but there are... There are extras to spread around.
2: We also have some custom dice being made by Josh and Papa. If anybody's seen these, um, they're just top of the line, the best-looking custom dice for HeroScape. And they're a real treasure if you happen to win some of those. And uh, we'll also have some uh, handmade trophies made by Anakara. Um, You've seen his work probably on the Scapers thread.
0: I've never heard of Um, him. Who is he? (laughs) <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Car is probably the most prolific poster on Escapers. Insta. How, how many <laughs> posts
1: do he have? Anybody have a number for us? <laughs> <laughs> I know he's on there a lot more than I am.
2: Oh, and I know it's really important to him. Um, so if you do um, get a chance to check out the Gen Con threads and stuff around the time and you see the trophies that he's made, just make sure to give him some rep. Um, yeah, because his, it he...
1: looks like, I'm, I'm looking now, his his subtitle is Rep Whore. <laughs> so he does enjoy the rep.
0: Yeah, he's he's been hurting. He hasn't gotten enough flailing. Make
2: sure to rep your local Anakara.
3: Back to the exclusive. and This yes. is just my personal experience. Having roomed with the bungee, having taken care of a drunken bungee, one Skahan is more than I can handle. So I don't think I'm going to pick up more than one.
1: All right.
2: <laughs> There's an innuendo there I or something. Know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'd have, to, I'd have to talk to the bungee jumper about that. <laughs> street
3: Hey, she has a T-shirt that says natural 20s. It's
1: got two That's pictures a- of big, two big D20s right on the chest area. And Han talked her into buying it while she was in a, I'm sure, <laughs> less than <No>. sober state. <laughs> no, no. She, she was
3: She was sober when she bought it? But Just that, drunk when she wore it. <laughs> and, 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 if you would, and if you would like to see a picture of me wearing the shirt, send Which five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> what you're selling, we're not buying. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we're
0: gonna take a quick break, and when we get back, we're gonna talk about board gaming and the world outside of HeroScape. talk about uh, board gaming. Uh, Recently, in a previous podcast, we were talking about other uh, websites, other gaming sites, and we got some feedback and people were saying, hey, I heard you talking about this particular site. haven't heard of it. What is that? So I think we'll just take a moment real quick to talk about other places on the worldwide web outside of heroescapers.com that are good resources for uh, gamers out there. First up uh, is pretty much The most necessary board gaming site in a way. It's BoardGameGeek.com. BoardGameGeek.com has been around for a while. They are a database. They've got information on pretty much every game ever made. Um, You can go there, uh, ask questions, post reviews, post game sessions. If you're trying to keep up with what's out there in the board gaming world, uh, keep up with new games or get information on old ones that you may discover, it's pretty much the place to go. Han, uh-huh. share with us a little bit about Board of Game Geek, if you would.
3: As far as what? What I use it for? or Yeah, what do you use what, it for? Well, let me start out by saying the one thing I don't use it for is I don't post to it like I do in the forums over in Scapers. Because there are thousands of threads where you just couldn't take the time... To go in daily or twice a day and track, you know, every different forum over there. What yeah, I it's almost it too big for that. It, it it is too big. I use it for an encyclopedia, researching. Um, if if you take the time to actually, there's an option. I'm looking here right now. It's called uh, it's called My Geek, and that's kind of your personal profile page. And if you take the time to upload or say I own this game, I own that game, and you give it a rating anywhere from, you know, 1 through 10. You can hit, let me see the name of the button here. It's personalized recommendations. And it'll look at your top ratings and they'll tell you, hey, look, if you like Heroescape, you also might like this game. So it gives you a lot of feedback. I will track all the games that I want, or if I if I hear something good, I can say, hey, look, this is my own personal database. I want to check out on my wish list. If I look right now, I've got 24 games listed out there. In case anybody uh, wants to go shopping for Han. Well, not, not so much shopping for Han, but it's a place where, like, if I if I want to do some personal shopping myself, I use ThoughtHammer or any other site. And a lot of these sites were like, hey, look, if you get a certain dollar amount, they ship for free. So I'm like, I need to add, you know, 20 bucks more to my order. I'll go look at their, what do I want? I'll pull it up. If they have it, I'll add to the list, and boom, I've got free shipping. So... I use it more as my own personal database. I will research what others say. If I don't know, if I see a game, hey, it looks, looks cool. I'll come home. I'll see what people say. Then you know, it saves me from dr- wasting 50 bucks if the game's a stinker.
1: Yeah, they even have a feature where you can find other users on BoardGameGeeks that are your friends and and add them to your buddy list, and then you can go in and see how your buddies rated a particular game. You can go to a game and see how how all any of your buddies who have owned it and rated it, how, what they thought of it.
0: Yeah, the game ratings on BoardGameGeek, each game is rated, but it's almost not worth looking at that because there's so many voices piling into that game rating that it, it really is, I, I don't really like to go off of that. But I do like to check out my friends and see how they rated particular games. That gives me a really good idea of if I'll like it or not. Um, But wish lists are useful. Yeah, I pretty much
1: know. I can go in and I can see if Han rated the game good, then it's probably not that good of a game.
0: It's probably going to be terrible. (laughs) Uh, Han, after all, prefers games where people trade cloth and sheep and things like that. So,
3: Listen, sir, I will not let you sit here and badmouth Settlers of Catan. You can talk to G-Bob. We had, was it two years ago, G-Bob, that me, you, and uh, Mr. Van Ness sat down and played... uh, settlers for an hour and a half and probably had the time of our life
2: that's right it was a lot of fun
0: i'm not badmouthing settlers settlers is a fine game i do badmouth some of the games it spawned but i won't badmouth settlers it's it's perfectly fine okay so board game geek it's a very useful site uh it's very good no, no matter what you want to use it for if you just want to learn more about what is out there in the wide world of gaming it's a great resource uh there are other resources as well uh, for instance, Han just mentioned ThoughtHammer. Uh, there's a lot of board game shopping sites out there, posy.com, thoughthammer.com, uh, where they have various discounted
1: prices for gamers. Wargamersheadquarters.com. Don't forget about that. That's one of our newer sponsors on Heroescapers, and they've got a lot of different games on there, too, to buy, not just HeroScape.
0: That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Then we've also got uh, the miniatures page, uh, TheMiniaturesPage.com is a gaming site dedicated just to miniatures games. So obviously, if you're on Heroescapers, you like the miniatures. Uh, it's a great place to go uh, if you're looking for news, if you're just looking for pictures, or anything else like, like that out there. Uh, GrungeBob, uh, you go there every now and then, I've heard?
2: Yeah, I go there all the time, I, being a miniature enthusiast like I am. And they've been around for years. I've been a member there for several years. But I will uh, I will say they don't they don't update uh, a lot of their pages very often so if you go to a, I, I use the manufacturer's database and oftentimes uh, the, they'll have gone out of business and their links are dead and but they're still listed on there so
0: yeah that's true and in the, in the world of miniatures there's a lot of um, companies that spring up and disappear in the course of a month or so so uh, that can be a problem. I, I'm a big fan of miniatures I, I collect them all the time just just to do so, if I see something cool I'll think, hey, I might use that later, and the Mentors page will let me um, check out a lot of cool new stuff so if you're looking for that sci-fi civilian bartender that you've always wanted uh, that's where you would
2: go to find it I like how you can customize your your front page, just based upon your interests So, because they have hundreds of forums there as well so it's kind of like a mini PGG, but just devoted to miniatures that
0: is true. I With miniatures, I tend to stick to fantasy, sci-fi. I love war games, uh, particularly historical ones, but with minis, I tend to stick to fantasy and sci-fi. And because I can customize that front page, I can cut out a lot of the miniatures that I wouldn't really be as interested in. All right, uh, another big site out there would be uh, uh, or I think their address is actually just fortressat.com. Fortress of Trash is um, a site that's really interested in talking about the ideas and concepts behind board gaming. If you're looking for intellectual discussions uh, about how games are created, about why we play games, this really is the site to go. It's a, blo- um, a blog that about uh, 7 to 10 different people contribute to, uh, as well as all their listeners. Um, there's a great forum section. Individuals can contribute on their own blogs. It's a, a fascinating site. Um, I probably go there just about uh, almost every day, just to see what's uh, what's new. Anyone else go to Fortress of Mayor Trash?
1: Yeah, they they definitely they're definitely edgy and cool. And and fair warning, to Hero heroescapers, they're explicit. You know, in their content a little bit, so you warned. No.
0: <laughs> they're a bit more risqué. Fortress of Maritrash is pretty interesting. It's got some of the more interesting voices in the gaming community right now. Uh, Michael Barnes is probably one of the most prolific writers and probably one of the most interesting ones, too, around right now. I like to read his stuff uh, whenever it comes out. I, I first discovered this site. I've been reading it off and on for a little while, but he wrote an article on abstraction, abstraction in gaming, saying, you know, we talk about abstraction, but every game is abstracted to a certain degree. Why do we abstract? What things do we have to abstract? What things don't need to be abstracted? And very high-level, very intellectual, but it was a very fascinating article. And since then, I've been a a devoted uh, uh, reader there. Um, But again, it can be a little off-color. Some people uh, find them a little off-putting just because they can be... um, very, very brutally honest, and they don't care about well, how well, honest well, they are. Well, that said, so. they,
3: they, they are brutally honest. They are, um, contrary to pi- popular belief, IMAX is not one of the founding members of the site, but. But our own <laughs> Infinity
1: Max does <laughs> write articles there.
3: He does. <laughs> and it, it's that sort of brutal honesty where if I'm in doubt, I will go there. I have a harder time searching for a game over there, so you, you have to scroll through and dig down deep. But if it's a new game that's been out the last month, you can find people who have bought it, who have played it, and it's a no holds bar. They will tell you exactly how they feel about it.
1: And you don't necessarily get that over at Board BoardGameGeeks as much. Um, there's a lot of reviewers in general in board gaming that like to be very gray about what they're saying because... They don't want the the company they're reviewing games for to cut them off or anything from their free review copies, so they'll they'll kind of they'll say things like "it's not for everyone," or um, you know, "this kind of person will like it," rather than just saying "this is why I didn't like it" or "this is why I did like it." There's a little bit of a lack of opinion in in board gaming reviews, and you won't find that at Fortress of Meritrash. So, no. no,
2: that's what I love about Fortress of Trash is they call foul on that
1: Yeah, and, and, and every other industry movies, video games, every other entertainment industry has reviewers who, uh, you know who have a voice uh, that is interesting and and, uh, and to the point and, and opinionated and and that's why we read reviews because we want opinions and, and so I'm, I'm glad to see Fortress of Meritrash doing that uh, we hope to we hope to be part of that when we review games here on this podcast. We hope to uh, to give the good and the bad and give our opinions, and we're glad to see that trend starting to rise. So, little buddy,
3: uh, paraphrase for the people at home: If Marvel Heroes by Fantasy Flight Games hit, <laughs> and you were writing their review on Fortress Meritrash, how would you review it?
1: <laughs> Not well. <laughs> what? we played what? Marvel what? Heroes not, and, not well uh,
3: that, that's all you can say is not well <laughs> after six hours
1: we, we played Marvel Heroes at a gaming weekend and it ate up like an entire day like six hours of, of monotony why we stuck with it I have no idea but it was it, the the rules were laid out very poorly it was hard to find what you were supposed to do next and it was just some simple go here roll these dice and I not fun, but Ice and House. It was, rocks. it was made by the guys who made Ice House it was made Rocks by the, is right. Made the same, <laughs> <laughs> it was made by the <laughs> same guys who made War of the Ring. So uh, that was a little disappointing because I was uh, I really like War of the Ring, another fantasy flight game. Uh, so I, so I was I was especially disappointed after that play of Marvel Heroes.
0: Let's take a, a moment just to step back and talk about some of the games we're playing. Uh, recently, there was a game released called Dirge, which comes from Smallbox Games. Uh, which you Which you can no longer get. Which uh, you can no longer get. Who knows? Maybe we, there'll be more uh, releases in the future. But Smallbox Games is uh, owned and operated by our own uh, Heroescapers.com's own Just John. Um, he's done a bunch of cool releases so far. But has everyone had a chance to play
1: Dirge? I, I know I own it. Uh, Han, I know you do. Truth? I have a copy. I sent a copy to Jerry because he missed the, the frenzy. Uh, John only made 50 of these. And when he made them, it got some buzz on Board Game Geeks, and he was immediately sold out of that 50 copies.
0: Yeah, Board Game Geek, uh, Just John, put up pictures of this game. And instantly, his pictures were... Um, all, all the rage. Everyone was talking about that. There's a lot of buzz around them. What this game is, is it's got a board that is a cloth board. You roll it out, and it's a, a small arena. And In this arena, you've got mythological creatures that are going to literally beat the crap out of each other. And you got these beautiful miniatures mounted on wooden blocks. It's all got this gray, blood-spattered sp- theme to it. And visually, it's a very striking game.
1: It's good to be mentioned that you may be able to get a copy of this game. Uh, he he has, he has talked about doing a re-release of it with some tiles instead of miniatures to make it more uh, affordable and, and expandable. So Right, and
0: he didn't just sell out of it. I mean, this was like an instant sellout. I mean, this was there was a lot of demand there. So with Dirge, the idea is you've got a, a stable of fantasy creatures duking it out in an arena. So you got this cloth mat that you, you uh, roll down, you, know, you roll out on your table, And uh, a draft, very similar to HeroScape, takes place. Both players will uh, take turns picking guys to be on their team. Uh, And basically what you've got is a strategy game very similar to chess. Uh, You're you're taking turns moving figures. Um, Each figure can basically move or, or do something. Maybe they can make an attack. They've each got special powers. And there's not a whole lot of die rolling. Uh, this is a game that's really about very careful thought. Each move you make uh, is very important. Each move is critical and can cost you something as well. So what, we, uh, what you've got is a game where you're moving your creatures in this arena, attacking the other creatures, and you're trying to wound them, knock them out of the game, and at the same time prevent your own guys from being wounded and knocked out. There's a host of special abilities there's a lot of neat stuff that you can do. So if you're familiar with HeroScape, this would be a natural fit, um, just with a lot less luck and a lot more thinking. Uh, what do you guys uh, think of Dirge and its its rules mechanics? Let's start with uh, Han.
3: Oh, I love it. Uh, when you compare it to HeroScape, it's not so much, hey, look, I need to build a 500-point army or 600-point army. It's each side... And when I play it, we do a it's a counter draft. So, hey, Bistro goes first, Han goes second, Bistro, back and forth. There are certain characters where the mummy, for example. The mummy is one of my favorite characters because it has a resurrect ability. And unless you see the board, there are two squares on the board where if you spend an action on the mummy, you can resurrect one of your recently killed characters and place him on one of two squares on the board. And you're back in the game. So I would say the mummy is a high-value target to take out. I'm scrolling through here. Uh, The phoenix also has that ability. So there have been times where I have drafted the mummy and the phoenix against my uh, opponent who doesn't appreciate their ability. And I've won the game with those two players. It's simple. It's easy to pick up. As you said, there's not a lot of dice rolling or the special abilities are spelled out very clearly on a separate, each player has a, a resource card in addition to their player cards in front of them.
0: I like it. Well, and there's an interesting mechanic present in Dirge, and this is really the thing that, that gets me, that, that makes me like it. Um, whenever you take actions with a creature, you place these action tokens on them. The more actions they take, the more tokens you place on them. And each turn, you get to take an action, one action token off your character. The idea is, no character can move if it starts its turn with these action tokens already on it. So if you do, so you may be really tempted to go all out with it with a creature have it do all sorts of cool stuff. But it becomes so weighted with action tokens, it's going to be many turns before it's free again. And this is really where the thinking comes into play. Do I, uh, do I do something really simple with my creature this turn? Or do I go all out? Do I launch this big offensive? If you're not careful, you can really end up with your entire army um, puffing for their breath while, <laughs> while the other team is uh, gets busy and does lots of stuff.
1: And the mechanic that goes really well hand-in-hand with that is that facing is very important so if you run a, if you run a creature out there and uh, and and then so so if you move and attack you've placed three tokens on it. so it's going to be a few turns before you you get to move him again so you might have run him out there to attack and now you've left now you've left him sitting out there pretty much defensive defenseless and creatures can move their way around to his back and in his back he's got no defense no evasion and uh, they're guaranteed to to doing a certain amount of hit points depending on how, po- uh, you know, that character's attack strength. Uh, which which is cool. And you said there's not a lot of dice rolling. There's dice rolling every turn, but the dice roll... It's like if you roll a six. So it's very it's a very... Uh, there is that random element, but it's very contained. Uh, it, you know, it's like a one in six chance that you might dodge out of the way or, or, or you know, things like that. Uh, so... You said it's chess-like, and I like to say it's it's chess without being boring because it's, you know, you got your special abilities, um, you got, you know, you you got your very graphic combat uh, theme to it, and uh, but at the same time, it's a real thinking man's game. It's a real calculated move ahead, and and I like that it's kind of like a mix between. Uh, American styles and European styles. It, it, it's less luck-based. It's more strategy-based, uh, like, a, like a good European game. Uh, but it also has those elements of conflict and combat, like a good uh, American-style game. Yeah, the
0: first time I played, uh, my friend and I, we, we basically played like fools, and uh, you know the first the first game you time you play it you're you're like just wow I, I I really messed myself up back there I didn't realize this was gonna happen this was gonna happen I think that first game we were both really blown away by how, how much of a smarter game it was than we had first realized.
1: Yeah, and and if you're good, if you know what you're doing, you you will defeat your opponent every time. It's not it, the luck factor is as enough is only enough that. They have to be very, very, very lucky to make up for, for a lack of skill.
2: Yeah, and on the flip side of that, uh, you get punished harshly for mistakes that you make in this game. Uh, if you just leave the backside of one of your creatures exposed for a minute, and if your opponent can take advantage of that, then they can get you. One of the things I really like about the game is that there's a certain cadence to the way um, the way that it plays with the action markers. Once you get a feel for those action markers, you start understanding how you know you anticipate when your exhausted creatures are going to be back in play, and you minimize the amount of action tokens you put on them uh, and you only use the the heavy action tokens when it's when you know you can like get a good kill or it's a desperate move, but otherwise, you try to always have it portioned out so that you're always having fresh creatures available to act each turn yeah
1: it's very, very cool. Uh,
2: and there's a, yeah, there's a there's an area control quality to the game as well. What I found is a really effective strategy is to scoot along the edge of the board and try to control one of the spawn points. See if you can control or even just occupy one of the spawn points. Your opponent has to spawn clear on the other side of the board, and then that means that not only his is his freshly spawned creature filled up with action tokens, but it's going to take him forever to get across the board to you. Meanwhile, you position your figures with their backs to the edge so that they can't get hit. Yeah, and I, I, back,
0: I did something right? very similar. Han mentioned he likes to use two units that can do resurrection. Uh, one of the quickest thing, one of the first things I learned is, hey, if if you've taken up a spawn point, they can't resurrect. So uh, there's a lot of difference. There's a lot of different back and forth that you can do in this game. You come up with a cool strategy, someone else comes up with a cool way to, uh, uh, you know, undo it. And you can just keep going back and forth like that. There's just so much you can do with it; uh, it's it's quite amazing.
1: Yeah, those the the having the two spawn points where you can only spawn onto these points was really a genius way to handle the resurrect because uh, that area control element can be a lot of fun, especially if you work something and plan something out just right, and you pull off a really spectacular move. It really shows through that uh, that 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 you had that strategy worked out really shows through and. And it's something that you can you can congratulate your opponent on when they pull one on you, or you know, kind of cheer about when when you've seen your plan uh, play out perfectly.
0: All right, so let's talk about some of the critis- uh, some of our criticisms for Dirge, some of the areas where we think it might
2: do better. Grunge uh, Bob, let's start with you. Sure, um, I'll start this off. Uh, uh, at fir- first, I just want to talk about the quality of the components. Um, when in the, the box arrived in the mail, I looked at it and this beautiful little box, and um, I took the shrink wrap off and opened it up, and they're just nicely done. There's pictures on the inside of the bottom half of the box, and it's just really nice. But opening it up, um, I pulled out the miniatures, and yeah, I was a little disappointed because um, there, there, there was glue all over the place, and the, the miniatures were glued to these wooden blocks, And there was paint drippings, and some of them were painted kind of half-heartedly. Some of them had really clearly defined blood splatters on the front. Some of them, the paint was just blobbed on the front, and others had barely any paint on the front, which made it kind of hard to figure out which side was which on them. Some of the blocks were chipped um, and misshapen, too. And I just want to say, I understand that um, Just John is his own guy. He's a one-man show trying to do all this um, but, man, if you are doing this all yourself, it is imperative that you try to make sure that your weaknesses are minimized. I mean, you're going to be judged against other standards based upon the price of your game. And so uh, you just kind of kind of watch that.
1: Yeah, and that's I think that's part of why he was talking about going to tiles, because he's going to be yeah, able to do Yeah, I know there's a lot of
2: work for him to do this. Yeah, and, uh, it was a ton of work. It probably in... was just a... I'm not, I'm not trying to knock him or anything, but I'm just trying to say, you know, John, if you're out there and you listen to this, you know, you've got so much going for you with all these games and everything, you can't let your weaknesses be so obvious like that. Yeah, so. he
1: put a lot of work into it, and really, it seems like the more work he puts into the game, the more obvious it is that it's handmade at home, and not, you know, not made in a factory in China.
2: Yeah. You want your handmade stuff to be your strength, not your weakness.
3: So, well, yeah. It,
2: Anyways, uh, that also the cloth. When we played at Gen Con, um, he had a kind of like an old world burlap um, map that was really cool with the with the burlap map. Um, I thought that it was more thematic, and then with the tiles, it was a lot easier to tell which facing your uh, creature had. I thought that the miniatures actually um, were. Were counterintuitive where that's concerned. Um, I I couldn't tell some of the miniatures. You can't tell what's their front because they're you know odd, misshapen fantasy creatures. So
1: there's a lot we can say about about the production quality because he is doing it by hand. But I'm I'm kind of excited, uh, warts and all, to be a part of of these games because of the fact that this is him kind of flexing his gaming muscles and working his way into the industry. And you know how cool would it be if someday. Dirge goes on to get produced by you know Fantasy Flight Games and they do uh, 5,000 copies. And you have one of 50 original, uh, handmade by John Claudius Dirge copies. How cool would that, that be? That is true. And, and Dirge cool. is a
0: game I would love to see expansions for. Um, in fact, the, after the first game I played, I thought, gosh, I wish there were even more choices for this. I think it's a game that you could do a lot with, even... New arena types and you know new creatures and things like that. I think it'd be uh, yeah. Really I cool. think it's its
1: best to date. I think it's got the most potential.
0: I, I was yes, it's it's my. Yeah, favorite I impressed. So far. It does have a, a, a homemade look to it, which keeps it from looking uh, truly professional. But at the same time, I was uh, this is my first experience with a small box games product, and I was really blown away by the quality of the rules and the game itself. Alright, uh, let's talk about other stuff that we're playing. Uh, Mutant Chronicles. Uh, that, that's been a game that there's been a lot of talk about. Positive and negative. Oh no, you didn't. A lot of... <laughs> I sure did, girlfriend. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Mutant Chronicles. And uh, a few people here, uh, basically everyone but me, was able to score a uh, copy of the Mutant Chronicles starter set. And I know you guys are chomping at the bit to talk about it. Let's uh, start us off... Uh, truth, what what were your, uh, what's it like when you open up that box? What do you get in it?
1: Human Chronicles. You read those rules. You look at those cards. You look at the. Uh, you look at you know uh, all the the characters because because when you buy that when you get that starter set you get all the cards for all the characters that are in the first complete wave. Um, not to, you don't get all the figures but you get all the cards so you know what what the characters um, all the characters are going to be in that first wave. You know what they do. Uh, so when you're looking through those abilities and all all the action cards and, and the way that the the rules work, the way that the actions work, where you can you can buy in um, gold action counters which count for three actions on a unit in a single turn, or silver for two, or bronze for one, and all these different elements that you can play with uh, when building an army, you can make this. Small, fast, uh, elite squad that does a lot of special abilities, or you can make this big force that's slow-moving but can take a lot of hits. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of cool stuff there, and, and reading the rules really got me excited for the potential that could be there. But uh, the starter set is a poor showing. Uh, I, I mean, they, they start you off with six figures, which isn't nearly enough to play the game. So they come up with these skirmish rules, which are these uh, little, you know, basically three figures on three figures, and the gameplay lasts all of three minutes. Uh, it, it was really, really weak. I mean, if you buy the Star Set and just play with those that little outline that they have, um, it's unbalanced, and, and it really gives you a bad taste for the game. And in saying that, we did play, then later, uh, a tournament version for the game, which is much larger scale than the, than the Skirmish version. We just substituted in proxies in that, uh, which your proxies look stupid because the, the Mutant Chronicle figures are 54mm, and and that's way bigger than any other miniature you have, so uh, your proxies look a little out of place. But the tournament, it was, it was a lot better than the Skirmish, but it's still... It still didn't have that magic. I, I don't know. I I just felt like there was a lot of potential there, but there's small things that are keeping this game from from being all that it, all that I can see um, in the in the potential that I see in the roles. Well, and,
0: and this this brings up something. There have been previous criticisms uh, for those of you who don't know. The scale of the game has been a huge um, has caused some bad press for Fantasy Flight. It's 54 millimeter, or sorry, 44 millimeter, or So along those lines, the average miniature is 25 to 28 millimeters. Sorry, Han. It is 54. 54. So we're talking about gigantic miniatures, and a lot of people like to buy miniatures just to mix them in their collection, bring them into other games. You can't do that with Mutant Chronicles. The other big complaint was that the game was blind purchase. Now, recently to their credit, Fantasy Flight has changed that. They're going to make it so that it is... um, Thick sets, but uh, truth—the reason why your criticisms are interesting is because they're—they're just—they come down to the rules themselves. I mean, this is something that people weren't really expecting. They assumed the rules would be fine. Um, but you said unbalanced. How is it unbalanced?
1: Well, in that starter set, that set skirmish, they have mutants versus or demons versus humans, and the demon team is clearly—a child can tell—that the demon team is gonna womp the human team with any any skill or luck at all, uh, and and that was a little disappointing. You make a start set, you have demons versus humans. You uh, you know I would expect that you'd want to balance those two teams well, out. Let me ask some you something.
0: Um, you, you, they're sitting there on balance. Is this like a setup where it's just like you're just going to play with the starter miniatures, or are there actual- that's what it,
1: that's what they have? They, well, they 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 you know they wanted to put on the box everything you need to play. But it's everything you need to play, the little skirmish game with unbalanced teams and, and have no fun at all. But That's everything you need to play.
0: In terms of their balancing system, the way that you actually pick your forces and make sure that both sides are balanced, do those teams actually match up in terms of you know, points cost? To an cost? extent, but mm-hmm.
1: even, even in that, I, I mean, you have a little bit more control there. But even in that, you're allowed to for, pick like four copies of a common figure. Um, but some of this stuff, it's like... Um, you couldn't tell that wasn't balanced like there's this one uh character for the human side there's this like one machine uh guy in a machine or something like that mm-hmm. who's a bronze figure but he's he's nearly every bit as good as like a gold champion only can have one copy him figure on a demon and it, and it seems more the demons are more powerful but It's just like that made no sense to me at all. If you're going to have a a, a bronze, silver, gold system, you'll want your gold ones to be equal to each other. You'll want your silver ones to be equal to each other in strengths and and your bronze ones to be equal. And and that wasn't the case. And it was was pretty evident. I'm not just nitpicking um, here over minor inconsistencies, it was it was pretty clear to me that those were not balanced well, with each other. The
0: idea that they're using bronze, uh, silver, and gold to balance things is a little worrisome to me because that's only three grades. There's a lot of room in, in any game system for, you know, characters aren't going to fit those three grades perfectly. Obviously, some will be weaker or stronger than others. It almost sounds like this whole system is intended really for a blind purchase game. Um, what do you guys think? Can this game survive being even um fixed you know fixed purchase can it can still survive
1: i don't know i your tournament scene's gonna suffer because of the fact that well if i if i got the rare figure that's that's clearly stronger than then you know my team's better you know it's not where i'm a better i'm a better army builder it's like I've got more money or more luck when buying my blind purchase figure, and and not being blind purchase is going to help that. Like I said, after wave one, they've not like you said they've announced that they're not going to be blind purchase. Well, so that's well, a, that's a credit in that direction. Well, no, let's back up for and, a and, credit.
3: They have actually repackaged because originally it was going to be it was announced on Scapers was hey look going with the second release or the first you know, after the master set it would be a non blind purchase. They actually in their warehouse they opened up everything and they repackaged.
1: Oh, wow. all of those yeah. figures
3: so yeah so right now we're looking at-
1: so you can't you can't say they're not trying you can't say oh, they're no. not listening they are oh, bent no. to
3: feedback they are bending over backwards to try and listen to the feedback they've gotten from the fan base but it's also an economic i mean look at the economics of what they've had to do two things one you've had to pay for the cost of manual labor to open up all these blind purchase games to re you know rebox them too in a blind purchase game you're going to get Hey, a lot of commons, that rare and ultra-rare, if I'm saying this correctly because I don't play a lot of blind purchase games, I kind of shun them like the plague, do you ditch all those common figures you have? Do you produce more of what was rare, unrare, ultra-common, whatever the, whatever the terminology is, and repackage that? So they need to win over the fan base immediately with this game, or... It's going to go down the drains faster than DreamBlade. Well, I can't
0: help but feel that they need to switch to a point-costing system as soon as they possibly can if you're going to have any real sense of competition with this.
1: Yeah, three three grades, like you mentioned, three grades. Um, that three to five grades, something small like that, can work if you have a very contained uh, game like... like A small set of of maybe 12 different figures, then then you can do three grades throughout those 12 figures and still get variety in there. But they're looking to do an expansive game. They're going to keep coming out with more and more releases. So I think they're going to find that that is going to become a limiting factor for them. Well,
0: and in the grand scheme of things, look at HeroScape. You know, HeroScape was meant to be a less complex miniatures game. And still, that's not a game system that could have such a simple grading scale. You know, bronze, silver, gold, what have you. It needs the points costing so uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see what they do there. but as Han says to their credit, they have been making huge very costly to them uh, changes and that is nice to see that is nice to see in fact um, they released a statement about their um, about changing from blind purchase and it was nice to see they said you know we doubt uh, if the future if there is a future for blind purchase anymore because things are changing. And that's good news for anybody who likes to collect miniatures and is tired of blind purchase.
1: Yeah, I applaud them for that statement. I applaud them for bending over backwards to listen to feedback. But there is still a critical barrier in here, and the game is very cost prohibitive. When you're talking about 54-millimeter chunks of plastic, you're talking about expensive. And and they thought, well, we'll do the big figures uh, because we we can make them more detailed right uh but but i i don't think they did an exceptional job of making them more detailed for their size and uh and i think that it's i think it's just becoming a limiting factor for them in cost i mean the the six figures you get in the starter set if you broke those down into uh you know 24 millimeter figures maybe you could have gotten to do a double that amount you know uh, 12 figures you're talking about a, a lot better starter set
2: yeah my thoughts exactly
1: yeah
0: grinch i i know you've been uh collecting miniatures for a long time and i've heard you say some nice things about the uh, mutant chronicles miniatures what are your thoughts
2: well i uh i like the paint jobs on them i like the choice in colors and um i do like the sculpts i think that um i, I don't like the scale i don't like 54 millimeter i think it's uh it, they should have just went with the gold standard, and like true said, I think you probably would have had more, more figures in the starter set and some more stuff to work with. So, um, so in that, from that standpoint, I'm a little disappointed. But uh, I thought that the paint jobs were beautiful on my figures, and the color choices were were really good too. Uh, other people have complained, but I like the way they look.
0: Well, anyone who's ever bought a Wizards of the Coast miniature, like D and D or Star Wars. We're sort of used to seeing the beautiful pictures of them beforehand, and you know, getting the 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 kind of sloppy uh, results that you know that you actually get in the box.
1: Not the case with HeroScape. We should we should make. Well, notes. for the most
0: part, for mm-hmm. the most part, that's true. I've got some monks that do look undead, but
1: well, well, that's a that's a give and take thing because they do those ink washes to bring out those uh, detail on some humans. It brings out. I mean. Too, sometimes too much of that ink lays in those cheeks. Yeah,
0: but yeah, you're right. For the most part, the HeroScape figures do come out looking pretty darn good.
1: And they look they and they look like they look as advertised too, which I think is important.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to read some listener emails. And we're back. We're going to uh, dip into our mailbox here and read out some listener emails. Uh, Grunge Bob, you start us off with the first one. You want me to read it? Yeah, read it to out us out loud. <laughs> okay, um, oh, just
1: to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> just we'll re- wait patiently. Read every third just, letter just,
2: to <laughs> us. Okay, I mean, <laughs> all right. Uh, I got an email here from the Pumpkin King, and it says. Uh, Hi, I just wanted to suggest that you should have a regular section about the fans' creations. Not just customs, but fan fiction, maps, etc. Just a nice spotlight on the normal fans who have a creative edge. Regards, Pumpkin King.
0: Well, thats uh, it's a good idea, but to be honest, on a podcast, I don't think you can really appreciate someone's cost, a custom figure and it's like being described to you or things like that. Really, right. the forums are the best place for those kinds of spotlights. And I've tried we- to,
1: well, I've tried to spotlight that on the front page too with the week at Heroescapers even though it's not really weekly but uh, we do try to, we do try to spotlight the fans on our yep. front page. Podcast, not so much the place to do that.
2: Now, what about poetry? I mean, could we recite some of the <laughs> okay. hero scape poetry? That's I will, true. I will gladly
0: read someone's <laughs> Heroscape poetry on the podcast. Now, if you said poetry, just know that you're giving me free reign to do whatever I want with it. But I will read it on the air.
1: <laughs> but but in the spirit of heroescapers, which is a fan contribution site, we do have this email, uh, this email section of the show where we get the fan feedback and the fan comments.
0: That's right. I've got an email here from Darth Eye Gouger. Heck of a name. Uh, It says, Hey guys, I'm having troubles finding people to play Heroescape with. My brother quickly lost interest in the game, and none of my friends want to play. Do you have any suggestions to help me convince people to play? Well, that is a good question. Um, To be honest, there are several things you can do with hero escape. First of all, set it up in advance. Don't make people watch you set it up that they, there's time for them to get bored. It might scare them away, have boards, small boards set up in advance. That you can introduce people to right away. Uh, maybe put some armies together, uh, in advance. They don't have to go through the whole thing of drafting them. But, uh, Really, if they're going to lose interest, they're going to lose interest. Try and be as fun a, a, a player to play against. Uh, you guys have any
4: suggestions?
2: Yeah, offer them free candy. <laughs> free beer. <laughs> that, free, that candy free candy corn.
1: Free candy. If you play with ki- me. <laughs> <laughs> here's gives a very visual game. Uh, I don't think it's hard to like draw people of the right mindset in. So maybe just find places, uh, game stores... Uh, local game stores, or I don't know if you're in school and you can and you and there's an extracurricular activity time that you can maybe set up, or uh, if you, if you set up the game and and people see it, people uh, of the right mindset that that would be interested in the game are immediately uh, their interest is piqued when they see that that beautiful board and all those little army guys.
3: You hit the nail right in the head. Uh, about three or four weeks ago, MechaFrog Frog and I from the site were at FLGS here in town. Friendly local and game we store were...
1: for the non-game speak.
2: I have a foreign it... local
3: game store. <laughs> the owner <laughs> is... I don't know where he's Which from. Which is really
1: confusing. A... We can't decide if it's but, foreign or... You know, it's while <laughs> we were playing,
3: we had three or four different people come over. It wasn't a big day there in the store. And one of the guys actually made the comment once he watched us play. was like, oh, this is that game that's on the shelf at another game store a little farther south side of town. And it was that connection right then and there that he didn't say, hey, this cool game has been on the shelf at the store for like two or three years. And he literally said, hey, I'm going to jump in the car and I'm going to drive down there and buy what they have. So playing in a store setting, you will find other gamers who, they look at the front of the box, they just don't get it, or they don't equate it to being, quote, a real gamer game. They see... they saw Hasbro on the on the logo. It's not really a gamer game.
1: Also, keep your eye on the events section at HeroScapers. Uh, all over the states and and internationally, people post uh, their game days. You know uh, when people will be meeting to play HeroScape or doing a HeroScape tournament. And uh, maybe there's one local to you that you can go out and meet some other HeroScapers at.
0: All right, uh, Hanorama, I believe you've got an email
3: from I us. have an email from Jerry Mack, and Jerry would like to know, can someone turn HeroScape into a computer or video game?
1: Yes.
0: Okay, and uh, finally, <laughs> last uh, our last podcast, we introduced our uh, HeroScapers... Uh, voicemail line, the, sca- the Scape Talk voicemail line. You give us a call at this number, uh, and you know if it's a, a good message, we might play it on the cast. Uh, Truth, we have any interesting uh, voicemails we We have some play. good
1: messages. We ha- we actually have a few um, voice messages, so great. let me play the first one for you.
4: Hey guys, this is Wind Lane. Last uh, Scape Talk, you guys were talking about the games that you were playing, and I'm wondering what games are actually your guilty pleasures. The games that, if you admit to playing them, you have to worry about getting ribbed a little bit. For me, just because of the general attitude on skaters it always seems to be flux. It's a game I love to death, but not everybody else seems to enjoy it as much as I do. But I'll take it. So I'm just wondering what you guys have got that's maybe something you don't want to let out of the closet. It'd be fun.
0: All right, uh, GrungeBob, what's your guilty game?
2: Okay, this is going to sound kind of lame, but HeroScape is my guilty pleasure. You see, HeroScape is a kid's game. Let's face it. There is a little bit of a guilt uh, associated when you're in your 40s and you're playing with these little miniatures and you're playing a, a game that's advertised to little kids. And I think a lot of the other gamers don't even give HeroScape a try because of that and uh, so I would say that HeroScape itself is my guilty pleasure
1: Very good oh, hey. Good one
0: uh, Truth, what's your guilty guilty uh, game?
1: Well, to piggyback off of Jerry, I, I like a number of mass market games and it seems there's this elitism among our board gaming gamer gamer compatriots against the mass market game I mean, HeroScape being one of them uh, Epic Duels that uh, was an old game. Uh, I like, I, you know, I like playing Risk, especially the new version of Risk. What version would that be? Uh, Truth. So that would be. Um, well, it's just going to be called Risk, but I have the the very sleek Risk Black Ops uh, pre-release design that we like to play.
3: Bistro, you ever played it? Aren't you a lucky
2: fella?
0: <laughs> do we have this every podcast? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mr. Bistro does not have this black ops.
0: But the bastards he knows who do like to rub it in his face every chance they get.
1: We will continue to every show, so uh, that's something to look forward <laughs> no, to.
0: No, that's fine. I'm, I'm not a person.
3: I don't have feelings. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> All right. Panorama. My guilty pleasure is any game uh, I can get my kids and wife to play with me. Uh, lately, it has been... This is an old Avalon Hill game. It's called Monsters Menace America. And you know what? It's cheesy and it's lame. But playing with my kids, who are 10 and 7, it's, it's just big fun. It doesn't get any better on a Sunday afternoon if I break that game out. And, yes, I will intentionally try and lose and, you know, let my kids, you know, defeat me. But it's just big fun.
2: I got another one here real quick. Uh, I went and saw that movie Speed Racer last week. I absolutely loved it. And it got me kind of craving a racing game. So I walked out into my garage where I have, you know, a a museum of old games. And I, I dug out my old copy of Thunder Road. What an awesome game this is. Have any of you guys played Thunder Road? Never heard Al- of it. Last I've not. It's just a it's just a great old Milton Bradley game from 1986. It has little miniature cars. It's kind of like a car wars theme. Real, real streamlined, bare bones uh, mechanics. Just awesome.
0: I've, I've seen the pictures. It looks pretty cool.
2: But uh, it's it's just a it's a cool little game. If any of you guys have a chance to pick this up at a thrift store or off of eBay, you can find it really cheap. I saw somebody just recently bought a copy for like $8 off of eBay. It is a fun little game um, that takes about 10 to 20 minutes to play. You'll find yourself playing it over and over again with a couple of friends, and the more people that play, the better. It can play up to four players. All right.
0: Uh, My guilty pleasure, I think, would have to be... um, I'm going to have to say this week, uh, this particular podcast, I'm going to have to say it's D&D. The reason why is it's kind of funny. My wife and my friends who I play D&D with, uh, they, uh, they're not gamers. They're sort of being turned into gamers. And they'll talk to anybody about d and I am totally in the closet when it comes to d and uh, I grew up at a time when it was not cool to be into d and I, I can't tell anyone. People ask me. People have found, like, the books in my car and been like, you play D&D? Like, no. Uh, they're my brothers. He was in here last week. I'm totally in the closet. <laughs> It just blows my mind to see my wife walking around, a perfectly normal woman, telling people, have you ever played Dungeons & Dragons? It's so much fun. We play it every week. It just, I get shudders when she does that. So my guilty pleasure this podcast is D&D.
1: Awesome. <laughs> All right, what's
0: our next uh, voicemail? Main man?
1: Yeah. What's his he, he asked
0: you, like, 20 questions.
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs>
0: You you could just record that one on your own because it's all directed to you anyway. Truth, if you could be any kind of vegetable, what would it be? Truth, what's your perfect Sunday?
4: Hey, Truth, the main man here up in Detroit, Michigan. Had a few questions for you. Uh, First and foremost, you know, a lot of people don't know the history of the old HQ site and uh, are just coming on now with with all the new changes. Uh, Hopefully, you can give a brief description of what made you start the old site and then what made you change over to the new site. Question number two uh just came to light yesterday that you've been writing some of Borman's journal. Uh, how did that come to be? How did you get into writing that? How long have you been doing it? When did you actually start? Uh, and how much more have you written? And when are we going to see more? Uh, next question, you know, you put in quite a bit of time on this website, um, what was showing us pictures uh, of concept art we've never seen before, uh, showing us pictures of, uh, new units coming out we haven't seen, uh, getting us interviews, podcasts, et cetera. How many hours are you putting in a week uh, just to the health of Heroescape? Um, a simple question for you which is your favorite unit and why? Uh, and last question. <laughs> Jeez, how many. <laughs>
2: How many
1: questions is?
4: This? That's actually that's it for me. I hope That all makes sense. I hope those questions aren't too boring for you. But uh, a few of those...
1: just wait, he's going to call back.
4: Hey, Truth, the main man here in Detroit, with one <laughs> final question for you. Um, you know, that'll I'm make sure it a nice a lot even of twenty. over and roll your eyes. I'm sure there's a lot of posts you go through, and you're just so excited to see somebody typing that. What's something you want to see more of on the website, and also something that you really would like to see less of? Thank you so much. Have a good
1: one. So these questions were directed at me, but hopefully we can give our input on some of these. Nope, uh, nope, you're on your own. <laughs> no.
2: All you, all yours.
1: How did HQ start? Well, HQ started as a result of uh, the first site, Heroescape.net, going down, and when Heroescape.net went down for whatever reason, Hero kind of entrusted some of the some of the posts. Archives uh, to me, and and from there, uh, me and some of the other community leaders like uh, Grunge Bob were looking for how okay how where are we gonna go from here? And there was this temporary site that was set up by Uranus P Chicago, and we were discussing it there. And here comes this guy on that says, "Oh well, you know, I do this for a living. I own my own company. I have my own servers, and and I'll host it for free, and you know, I'll give back to the community that way." And so it seemed like you know too good to be true. And so he started was. HQ. <laughs> he started HQ and we went over there and uh some things ended up happening with this guy's business and and he got preoccupied um to the extreme to where he didn't have any time for uh maintaining the Heroescape site and it was definitely something that needed maintained by somebody who had access to the back end of everything. Um so so the site ended up getting getting slow and it ended up there was no like real clear um, lead position so it, it ended up a lot of decisions um, on the site didn't get didn't get made uh, the way they needed to get made and it, it kind of devolved into into a mess and and so around that time I started talking to grungeBob about you know I think we can do this better I think I have a lot of ideas and um, and, and GrungeBob has always been kind of uh, who I've seen as like the community pillar. So it was important that I had his backing and that he was with me on it. And, and so we developed heroescapers.com and, and got a lot of the key players on board with it and, and um, then introduced it to the community as a whole and kind of did a mass exodus over to there. And ever since then, we've been working hard at, at giving the best website we can.
2: Okay, that was question number one.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, so um, Thorman's Journal uh, that just got kind of that kind of got started when when I took over the website and, and, and met Craig and started playtesting and stuff. That was just something that w- that we talked about, and he asked, "Hey, can you write?" And um, I said, "Well, I'll give it a try," and, and wrote some bios, and he liked them, and from there I got work on the Thorman's Journal, and uh, that was. That was just Craig giving me an opportunity, and, and me taking it. And uh, so, how long have I been working on it? Uh, I, about a year. Actually, quite a bit is done that that you guys haven't seen yet. Uh, due to the switchover, there's there's been a delay in getting those out. It was going to be like a regular thing where it released every week or every two weeks or something like that, where there was new entries being released, and and it was supposed to be an ongoing, continuing thing. And and maybe it'll, hopefully, it'll be that again. Uh, hopefully. We'll get that backlog out and then start getting some new stuff going too. Uh, time put into Heroescape, uh, it, it it really does vary. You know, if we're working on something, uh, if we're working on something freelance wise for Heroescape, or, or or if the site's got something big coming up, um, I'll put a lot of time in. Uh, and sometimes you'll see a dry spell where the front page isn't being updated, and usually that's after. After I've given a big push and needed some time to catch up on some other, uh, some other projects, uh, so so that, that varies. But I I have a pretty deep seated investment in HeroScape. You know, being a huge fan, freelancing for the game. Uh, so so you know, there's a small income there, uh, and then running the website. I do what I can to see HeroScape thrive. Uh, I think we've already gone over favorite unit a bunch of times. I, 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 don't, I don't really have a favorite unit. I can't really put my finger on a favorite. And then posts you want to see. I'll open that up to you guys. What do you guys think? What are some posts you want to see? Um, what, what are some posts that you, you definitely do not like to see?
0: Posts that I want to see are thoughtful, considerate posts, basically unlike my own. I don't know. It's almost too uh, open a, a, a question. There are many different types of posts I like to see, many that make me uh, roll my eyes. In fact, there's so many I, I like so many different types of posts, I couldn't even answer the question. Stuff I don't like to see are the stuff that's uh, just an emoticon response that doesn't add anything to a conversation. Sometimes an emoticon is a perfectly timed bit of comedy genius. Sometimes it's not. Usually it's not. I hate leet talk, chat speak, that kind of stuff. For the most part, I think we've got a fairly responsible community who likes... You know, intelligent discussion, maybe. Grunge Bob, what do you think?
2: I just like a good community uh, variety. You know, we get uh, lots of. You know, the focus always on HeroScape, um, but anything that's positive and productive, as uh, somebody mentioned earlier today on the forums, anything that's positive and productive, I think is good. Um, sometimes, you know, a little one-liner just helps to build community or make bond friendships or something like that, and that's all cool too. But uh rampant negativity, um, you know, uh, constantly picking on newbies, or um, you know just just having diarrhea of the keyboard, that kind of thing, yeah, we could use a little less of that, I think.
1: okay, well, let's listen to our uh, our last message. Our last message is from Heroscape Alfie. Last week, <laughs> if you stayed tuned after the music, um, we, we had an name. exchange. We had an exchange about the Heroscape Elfie name, and uh, Heroscape Elfie thought that, that he should have his say, so he called in with his thoughts.
0: Well, maybe we could censor this one. There's probably no reason to play it.
5: Dear friends, this is Heroscape Elfie. First off, I'd like to thank Truth for all the hard work he's put into the site. Now, the reason for my call. Some of you may recall an incident on an earlier podcast in which a certain individual did with malicious intent ridicule my name. Ladies and gentlemen, I am appalled by this unseemly behavior. Though I must confess, I do find it slightly amusing that I was attacked by someone who calls himself Mr. Bistro. Any scholar of language can tell you that bistro is a French word, and I have yet to hear anyone claim that French sounds manly. Indeed, I suspect that this is why he places a mister before his name, so that we're all certain he's a man. And why the word bistro? A bistro is a small, modest, European-style restaurant or café. It makes little sense as the person's name. But then, yeah. look at his avatar. At least mine is related to Hero's No. Mr. Beecher prefers, prefers to hide, hide behind a black and white picture of a grinning jackass holding a glass of milk. Yes, that'll make the ladies come around. Won't it? <laughs> so now I confess my to feeling disgust for the attack of, on my name and character. I take great solace from the fact that the attack came from someone who is clearly, medically speaking, retarded.
1: Thank you, and good night. That, that hurts. Some harsh words there.
0: I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know where that's Ouch. coming, from.
2: Oh, where that's coming wow. from. Man, that cut deep. Are you all right, Bistro?
0: It, well, it, it's, it, I'm a little shocked. I was offering him helpful criticism last time of his name, <laughs> coaching him, I believe you called his you
1: name quote-unquote gay.
0: I was coaching him. How is that in
1: any way helpful?
0: And what I get is an attack like from some crack fiend about my name not being manly. I, I don't find that cool.
4: That was
2: just before his voice cracked. I think his, his voice might be going through the change.
1: <laughs> He's going to have to call again next show. I'll have to go after you, Grunge Mom.
0: Well, there, there will be a response. I, I, I'm a little too shocked and offended to tell you what that will be right now, but there will be a response. That was, you're going to write that was, yourself
1: a response so you can get on the air?
0: That was an irresponsible use of voicemail, young man. <laughs> Defend, defending yourself has no place. All right. Well played, Elfie. Well played. This round goes to you. Well, if you wish to contact us uh, as well when they hear, make your voice heard, please feel free to give us a, a, an email at scapetalk at gmail.com. And, uh, or you can feel free to call us if your name is not here to escape Elfie and truth. What's that phone number?
1: The phone number to call in your voicemails, uh, 419-830-0707. And that will be in the show notes as well.
0: Yeah. And remember,
1: you can always feel
0: free to respond to things we've talked about in the shows. Uh, if there's a review you don't agree with, let us know if you want to chime in and offer your support and review, uh, do so. Uh, today uh, we talked about uh, different uh, gaming websites. Feel free to throw in some of your own if there's other stuff that you like as well. We would like to hear from you.
1: Or if you if you have a topic uh, that you'd like to hear discussed on the show, perfect way to do it is to send an email or start in, uh start the conversation up uh, via a voicemail. So
0: we appreciate you spending uh, some time with us again. Uh, until next time, this is Mr. Bistro, and this is Screaming Truth. And we'd like to thank Grunge Bob and Han Rama for hanging out with us again. Thanks, fellas. Cheers, gentlemen. So until next time, please remember, everyone dies alone. <music> Han, you're awfully quiet tonight.
3: Yeah, you know, all this talk about drunken Han this and drunken Han that, you know, I- I'm crying. <laughs> I'm crying in my bottle. <laughs> but you say that
0: but you've got like a reaction time of like a zombie
1: <laughs> not it's... to mention i can hear bottles clinking over there as, as the podcast goes on
0: hey Han, what do you think five minutes passes
1: you can hear the bottles clink as he wades through his room waist deep in empty beer bottles